To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. Plus, anything over $35 or more gets you free shipping. $35 or more is free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Jay here, positive sarcasm.com, unprepared as usual, but that's okay. And of course, you can also find me on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one. Don't forget the one. Please. One is the loneliest number you could ever do. Just remember that. I've got a shitload of stuff, and I've only reviewed half of it because, I mean, as expected, you'd normally find me to come in unprepared, and uh, that's what makes me so great and uh, unsuccessful. But you can find me on the social medias, mostly uh, controlled by Mark Zuckerberg and his clan. Um, Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. Like, subscribe, share. YouTube. I just dropped a new video on YouTube. We'll talk about that in a minute, actually. It was sort of a concept, but not really a concept. It's something I've done before, but from a different angle and also a lot riskier. And I also had to blur out a certain... Okay, yeah, I'm already talking about it, so let's go ahead and save it for something else. I actually want to talk about uh, a friend or a competitor from days, days gone by from a long, long time ago. And he's definitely from a galaxy far, far away. So when I first got on stage back in 2014, when I talk about on stage, I don't mean like a burlesque show. Here comes the mighty Jew. Dun, 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 dun. No, I'm talking. God, that was a terrible joke. I'm, t- I'm your prototypical open micer. The. Okay. So back in 2014, my, my second NPC show, uh, Competitive Fitness, I get off a of stage and just got my trophy. Bruno wants me to introduce me to somebody um, who just got off a stage as well. If you don't know what uh, competitive fitness is, go look up NPC. Go look up the NPC, the National Physique Competition, something or other. Look that shit up. Bodybuilding, basically. Bodybuilding. Um, and I got off stage, and there was another guy who won fifth place in his division, his class. His name is Joey Klampka. Or Joe Klampka. As I, don't, I'm, I don't know. What he, I call him Joey, but then again, you know, if he likes to be called, I, I don't know what his pronoun is, but um, yeah. This kid's in fucking outer space. But he's returned. I've seen this kid in boarding shorts in so many... Uh-oh. Oh, shit. We are in trouble. Okay. So we got a small problem. My live stream just went down on Twitch. So, yeah, I guess we're going to have to I guess we're going to have to work through that, which is fine. So, I'm going to go through them. Actually, hold on a second. I'm going to pull off of this mic. I'm going to go over there and fix it real quick. Uh, we are currently streaming on facebook.com/positivesarcasm. And yes, this podcast is currently being recorded. So, all this is going to go in there. What happened was I was literally in the middle of the live stream. Everything was going perfect over on the other end of the spectrum. And then the next thing you know is I see a blue screen. Um, and it just, that was it. It just disappeared. I'm still working through all the kinks of the, and not, not in a gay way. I mean the, <laughs> I'm still working through all the kinks as how to m- actually make all this work. So 
I'm going to go over there. I'm just going to type in the password for that to get that live stream going for Twitch, whereas everything else looks pretty good so far. But these are the, this is the second time I've run both podcasts, the second time I've run this podcast using two streams. So let's just, let me try this one more time. We'll get it popping. So this is about 30 seconds. If you hear me screaming and yelling, I'm only five feet away. Okay, testing, testing, one, two. Holy shit, my mic sounds are back up through the roof. Okay, so we are back on through, Facebook is on, Twitch is on, we're recording again at much higher volumes. I don't know how that happened. This, this uh, audacity thing is so weird sometimes. You know what? This stuff happens. You know what? This even happens with Ethan Klein in the H3H3 podcast. They'll be streaming on YouTube, and then the whole thing will just drop. So even the pros have to deal with this stuff. Dave Rubin has to still deal with this stuff. Anybody who live streams, Joe Rogan has to deal with this stuff. This one, I've, I'm going to have to put the blame on me, though. I definitely have to put the blame on me. So, and I'm also using this new um, person watching technology. So, if you're live streaming on the facebook.com slash positive sarcasm, it's a stationary, stationary point. You can, you can, it's actually, actually, the stream looks pretty good. But the live stream is all in one spot where the camera does not move. However, on twitch.tv, if I stand up, And the camera comes back to me. So I'm trying to, I'm working with this technology to see if this is something I want to use. But for the most part, I think, I think we're good now. I think we're good now. So I guess once I've gotten settled in, because I'm, I was sweating there for a second. Shit, I hope that doesn't happen again. These are the things you got to deal with when you're trying, when you're trying to start all this silliness. All right. Anyways. Trying to explain that, I got 50 different things other, uh, that I wanted to talk about too. But Joey Klampko was a kid that I used to, I'll make it shorter. Joey Klampko was a kid that I, K-L-A-M-K-A-S. He was a kid I used to compete with. We stepped on stage together. Uh, we both we were both trophy winners. He's a class winner. I think he won his class once. He's an odd duck. He's got long hair, kind of a caveman typish person, tattoos, misfits. He's just an odd trip who... He definitely went on a mushroom trip, and I don't think all of him came back. He dropped. I ju he just dropped an album or an EP. Excuse me. He dropped an EP, six song country album, and he let off with a song that's only about a minute fifty long. It's called "I Love My Cat." Now, I'm not a big country fan. I, if you're gonna get me to listen to country, you'll probably I'll I'll probably get as far as I'd say Wheeler Walker Jr. If you don't know who Wheeler Walker Jr. is, ooh, you're in for a treat. But uh, Joey's always been, Clampka's always been super creative. He doesn't, he's not scared of the spotlight. He's definitely on his own level when it comes to um, just being himself and whatever that is. He's definitely an adventurer, loves guns. He, you know what? The best way to physically describe him is Axel Rose. There you go. Do you want to know what Joey Clampka looks like? Axl Rose. Only way more in shape. Doesn't touch the cake. No, 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 knees, please. So he dropped this album. And I'm actually at the end of this podcast, if you subscribe to my, uh, my podcast, which is available on, you know, anywhere you can get podcasts, at the end of this, it's going to be edited in is his... Um, 
song, I Love My Cat. I have the, uh, let's see. It's a picture of him standing in front of his Darge Charger SRT. And this, the album is called R-N-F-N-R-O-L. I have no, rolling, is that like rolling on the floor fucking laughing or something like that? I don't know what that acronym means. Acronym, acronym, acronym. So that's, that's what it is. You can download, it's, you can download Joey, go to uh, cdbaby.com and you look up Joe Klamka, K-L-A-M-K-A, and the album is called R-N-F-N-R-O-L. It's a six album EP. It's in the genre of country rock. Fun, high energy, blazing party country rock performed by a long haired madman. That makes sense. So yeah, once again, cdbaby.com slash Joe Klampka. Or just look up Joe Clampka under CD Baby. You can get the whole EP for $5.99, or you can download the songs at $5.99 piece. And he's got a Misfit t-shirt, uh, which tells you that the songs are actually probably not that long, and you'd be correct. His first song, Smiling Joe, is a minute and 52 seconds long. His second song, which he just debuted on his Instagram timeline, was two minutes and 36 seconds. That's a record. His next song is Everyone's Getting Married. So Arena is 236. Everyone's get everybody's getting married is 255. I love my cat is a minute 13. Uh talking shit for the hell of it is 221 and sitting around doing nothing but sitting around doing nothing is 2 minutes and 42 seconds long. So that is Joe Clampka's debut EP for country rock. Country rock, southern rock, upbeat mood. Um so it's recommended if you like Hank Williams Jr., Kiss, and Leonard Skinner. You know what? Bravo to him. I'm I'm super happy because this kid's always been creative. He, he a lot of the ways he's driven my creativity for me to do wild and out shit and stuff that I, original concepts that I've been working on. Um. So I'm I'm super happy for him. And I will insert one of his songs at the end of this podcast. Um, did I pay for it? No. I definitely didn't pay for it. But I do want to promote it for him because he's a good kid. He works his ass off. He lifts like a madman. He looks great on stage. He's a lunatic on stage. He doesn't give a shit. Um, fun dude to meet backstage. He's super appreciative. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm super pumped for him. So yeah, go check that out. Go to cdbaby.com and look up uh, Joe Clamka. Check that out. And I'll play I'll play I love my cat uh, at the end of the podcast. You won't hear it on the live stream because it's an actual copyright. So I don't want to get thrown off of the uh, internets. But you can stream this podcast on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one, streaming live on facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. And I just added a new thing to the website. If you go to positive sar I'm always doing that. If you go to positive sarcasm.com I added a live stream section. So if you're having trouble with twitch.tv or you just don't want to go to the Twitch site or something like that, you can go to positivesarcasm.com, click on live stream, and the Twitch stream is playing there right now. And if you're listening to this podcast tomorrow, then it was live streaming yesterday, which no longer makes it a live stream, right? Yeah, it would be a past stream. But now you can at least watch the Twitch stream when it is live on PositiveSarcasm.com. See? It was really easy to do, too. Shit is so easy when you just take a shot at it all in the dark. If you're looking for posing music, 
I was just talking about fitness people. Fitness people, you're looking for posing music, go to positivesarcasm.com slash posing music. There's a bunch of new ones there. Check them all out. And uh, my calf is bleeding. Uh, but I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to, I ain't got time to bleed. So Joey Clanka's new album just came out. Uh, you can check that out on cdbaby.com. My latest vlog was, all right, so I did, I did a glimpse video. Glimpse videos are usually like, between, for me, they're like two to three minutes. Two to three minutes, they're not very long. I don't call them vlogs. The reason I, I did one called Let's Get Out of Here, which is basically a sunrise. Uh, we, took, we, we hopped in the Cessna 172, which is a single prop uh, airplane. We took a flight over the East Coast. However, I did strap a GoPro to the wing of the, of the plane. There's only one problem. I didn't put an SD card in it, so I couldn't record shit. So I just had uh, a GoPro on the wing. With no memory in it. So you may, I basically, my concept failed just like that. I got another chance two weeks later, three weeks later, with a chance to do a sunset over the ocean. I strapped two GoPros, one to the front of the plane on the inside of the, co- on the, inside of the cockpit. And one, there are three rings on each, of the, on each wing of the, of, the single prop airline, of the single prop airplane. There's two metal rings. And you can strap a GoPro. It's not designed for GoPros, but, you know, I'm going to take a chance to strap gear on there. But I decided on a more interesting spot. There's a little hook just underneath the tail where the flaps are where you can strap in a GoPro. There is a problem with that, though. All the, the, the turbulence and the prop turbulence and the wing turbulence, all that stuff gets funneled underneath the airplane. And all of it's hitting... All of it's hitting the prop. All of it's hitting my GoPro with its little tiny imported Chinese tariff plastic. That's all that's holding this thing onto the goddamn airplane at over 100 miles an hour. So all that's hitting it. So there's two questions I'm going to have. How stable is the footage? Is it going to be? How stable is the footage going to be? And is the force of all that air just going to rip the fucking thing off and somebody's going to get a GoPro uh, on the on the beach of Hampton, or who knows? Now it was funny is when let's see the placement of the camera, and then oh, and I did have to blur for the there was a, after I got a text saying I need to blur out the actual number of the airplane, the identifier, just so I did it. I was like, okay, no big deal, but that's not that's fine. I also had a wrist controller that was just given to me. It's a wrist control. It connects from my wrist to the actual camera. So I can hit record at any time, or I can make sure the camera is continuously recording. Well, when we were in mid-flight and we were just about to go over the ocean, I lost all connection. So we were actually, no, we were on our way back. And I and for some reason, it blinks red when it says it's recording. And then it blinks blue when it loses connection. When we were on our way back, it lost connection. I have no idea. I had no idea why at the time. I'm literally just hoping that the damn thing held on for the next 25 minutes on the way back to the airport. And I jump out of the plane as soon as we landed and the plane was shut off and the props have stopped swinging. Get out, and it's there. So the bad news was that it didn't record uh, the last 15, 20 minutes of the flight. The good news is it did record the entire time over the ocean. And as I predicted, that jelloing effect, the wobbling of the terrain, as you see, is all the turbulence hitting that, hitting full force 
the gear and the, the the harness that's holding it's holding it in place. But despite all that, you know, hitting it hard over the ocean, all the turbulence, the clouds, all that jazz, it that little cheap piece of shit plastic held that GoPro on through all that turbulence. It was great. It was absolutely great. So I got that footage. I chopped it up, and um, the risk controller, the reason it was it stopped responding is because it just ran out of battery life, something I'm going to have to look into because I thought these batteries lasted well over an hour and a half, but I'm going to have to look into that. But the good news is those little GoPros, you know, it's 40 bucks. You lose a GoPro, no big deal. You buy a new one, it's 40 bucks. But that shit adds up. You know, and they have taken a beating. I used them in the drift racing. I have a mount on top of my Mustang. And now I've tested them at 4,000 feet on the back of an airplane doing over 100-something miles per hour. And it worked out perfectly. So you can go and check that out. Go to YouTube.com. Look up Positive Sarcasm. You can like, subscribe, and share. And you can check out the newest video. There's also a couple. I've been hitting it pretty hard in the the past late August, early September with, with the vids, yo. Uh, more experimental stuff, lighter fare, nothing too aggressive, but just stuff I wanted to try out. And this one, I finally got to strap GoPros to the inside, the outside, the wing. And you know what was funny is, as soon as I got home, I got home, it was around 9 o'clock at night, finished up everything for everything for the night, and then I get a text saying, you're on again for tomorrow morning. So I go right to bed, get up, and go do another flight. This time, uh, I didn't use any of that footage, except for one part when we literally just flew right over a mountain. We landed in Laconia Airport, did breakfast. We made a day out of it, and we spent the whole day doing that. So that was a that was a blast. I got a chance to check out new. I tested out the gear in different angles and stuff like that. And I I did realize that it's just that angle of where I shot the GoPro at the all the way at the end of the at the tail of the airplane that there's just the only, there's all that air hitting it is causing that Jello effect. I don't think you'll get that with the newer GoPros. But if I secure it tighter, then there's a good chance that I won't get that wobbling effect. But despite that, the footage came out really great. I had three cameras going at the same time. I was able to take shots. And it was an absolute fantastic... I, I highly recommend it. If you ever get the chance to go up in a plane, just, uh, like a single prop plane, as long as the pilot is, well, halfway decent, I truly recommend it. So you can check that out. What the hell did I call it? Uh, something risky? I don't know. Something risky. Just go to my fucking YouTube channel, assholes. Go to my YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm. You can check it out. It's about five minutes long. I dragged this one out a little longer, and I used a like a uh, like a house music version of the Interstellar soundtrack, which was actually pretty dope. And it didn't get flagged by it didn't get flagged by YouTube. I usually test these. I go out of my way to test music behind the scenes on YouTube to make sure it doesn't get flagged for copyright infringement or copyright claim. So I do that, and this one didn't, and I waited a good hour or two, no claims, awesome. And then, of course, every time I, may, I put up a, a, a video on YouTube, I always promote the music that I'm using in the description with generally, sometimes with a link as well, especially if they did something out of the norm that's really, really good. Mm. So you can go check that out. Uh, what am I working on next? I'm actually going to be heading out of town in a couple weeks for a secret mission. No, I'm not competing again. The, let's see. I didn't get a chance to, to uh, check out the new Chappelle album, a new, new thing on Netflix, because I know there's a lot of, there's some quote-unquote controversy with all these flaky fucks in, in the, that are critics on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't checked it out, so I'm not really not going to state anything about it. 
I am outraged, though. Outrage culture about what Legos has just done. Legos, if you're not familiar with my life, um, there goes the end of that. Uh, this is Legos. Legos are little buildy thingies you can make. This is a Star Wars land speeder. It's pretty sweet. Why did that shut off? Eh, who cares? So, anyways. <laughs> Anywho, the idea behind it is you can go and build a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, this is a spare part studio. Shit falls down all the time. I could also do a better job of nailing that into the wall. But uh, there was an S, and now there's just a P. So, the idea is that... The fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Legos. I love Legos. I've been making, I've been using Legos since I was like five years old because let's face it, I didn't have a lot of friends. And Legos went ahead and they just did a pre-order on, if you guys have ever watched the show Friends, and I'm sorry if you have, they all got together, unemployed, underemployed, broke as shit, feeding off the state and the government, and they all gathered at this overpriced cappuccino place called Central Perk where Legos is actually just released a or a, a buildable set of Legos Friends Central Perk. And it's got the couch, it's got Joey and Phoebe and the guy who says he invented sarcasm and all the and you know Courtney Cox and all that jazz. It's like $100 the cheapest you can find it is $100. So, I, get, I, I, I could say you could order that, but I'm, I don't know how Friends and Legos, I don't see those two groups going together like um, Vegans and Pig Roast. I don't see those two mixing, you know. It's, to me, that's like a dog shit coleslaw. I don't see the two mixing. First of all, the show Friends was fucking terrible. All right. It was, it, 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 it's, once again, it's another show with canned laughter filmed in front of a live studio audience that has no personality. Living in a, a rent-controlled loft that's like 3,000 square feet in midtown fucking Manhattan, rent-controlled, okay, with people just coming in and out as they should with all that furniture. The show was completely inaccurate. To get a loft like that right now in New York City, that loft in Friends, would probably run you in the millions of dollars. Actually, hold on. Let's find that. I'm going to go, Google that right now. I'm going to find out how much, let's say, let's be modest. Let's say 2,000 square feet Midtown Manhattan mortgage. Let's look that up. All right. 2,000, let's see, 2,000 square feet Manhattan, Manhattan. Okay. 2,000 square foot apartment in Manhattan. Condo. $2.495 million. Three bedroom, three bathroom, 2,000 square foot condo. How the fuck do three get to own, get to run that 2,000 square foot rent-controlled apartment when usually one or two of them 
was unemployed. And yet, and the other friends were living right across the way in a 900 square foot apartment where, whoa, Joey and oh, Chandler were living before they decided to bang the neighbors. Um, and I don't even know what they were paying. I had no idea what they were paying. But that rent-controlled loft apartment back in, what, 1995, I think was when Friends came out? And yet, despite all that, here's the thing. They, these central pricks were living in a 2,000, 3,000-square-foot apartment that was rent-controlled. And yet, at the same time, Jerry Seinfeld is stuck in a, what, seven, 800-square-foot apartment in Brooklyn? A place that gets broken into frequently on the show because Kramer forgets to fucking lock the door and half the time leaves it open. So Jerry, who is a traveling comic that does shows and pilots and stuff, he's stuck living in Brooklyn. But gets a rent-controlled apartment that for fucking God knows what, Section 8, who knows, and they're, ha- they're unemployed half the time. And yet, they're blowing all their rent money when they're freaking unemployed at the Central Perk. Do you have any idea how much a fucking cup of coffee costs in Midtown Manhattan? Hi, what can I get for you? Let me get a... Can you want... Do you want soy in that? Hi, fucking... You gotta be... It's such a crock of shit. Such a crock of shit. Where Jerry Seinfeld's out there making five, six, seven thousand dollars a month, touring the entire freaking United States, and is fucking taking up something that only Donald Trump can afford, or Louis C.K. before he started masturbating in front of everybody. Uh, it's so it's such a bullshit, such a bullshit premise of a show. Okay, and it took six of them. Was it six of them? It took six of them to make you laugh. Whereas on Seinfeld, it only took one person to make you laugh. And yet Netflix paid like $100 million to re-up its contract to keep that show. And that's my rant on Friends. And yet, despite all that, Legos has purchased the rights. God only knows how much that paid. Legos has purchased the rights to turn Friends into building blocks, yet ruining another seven-year-old's childhood. What a shame. What a shame. With all the problems in the world, with all the tragedies and everything that's going on, the biggest tragedy ever in my lifetime is the fact that they turn the show Friends into a fucking Legos. Why do I sound like Alex Jones right now? (laughs) I'm out of it today. I mean, I literally started this podcast. Right before I started this podcast, the internet didn't work. So I had to run around and fix that problem and get a backup system taken care of. And then as soon as I start the podcast and hit the live stream button, the computer freaking goes blue on me. Danny Blue. Danny Blue, and I have to go and reset that mid-podcast while hitting pause over here, then running back over there to make sure that thing. In the meantime, I've got people on this live stream watching me run back and forth like a fucking schmuck, 
And then finally I get that going again. And then I got to talk about Joey Clamp Guy. And I forget how to spell his name. So I have to go there. And then I have to re- didn't have time to research half of the articles like I normally do. But then you'd expect that. And then as, as soon as I go and get an example, I go to grab an example of what a Lego looks like. And the S disappears. The S went missing. Like the assassin on the grassy knoll. Nobody knows where it is. I should probably go get it. Hold on. Like the Titanic. It has risen! Should I put it on now? I should put it on now. Let me put it on now. And when it fell... Perfect. (laughs) When it fell, it turned off one of my lights. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. But I'll fix it later. That's That's my life. No matter what the problem is, I'll fix it. God, I can't believe people hire me to do, to shoot their weddings. <laughs> um. Anyways, you can subscribe to this shit show in many different formats. You can you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel. You can go to Facebook.com. Fast positive. You can friend request me there. You can go to my website, PositiveSarcasm.com. You can. Yeah, you can do that. Um. I gotta. Now that I've. Went off on a rant about Joey Chandler, Phoebe, Courtney Cox, and whatever. I guess we'll get into some articles because, uh, yeah, I ha- I just made this whole carafe of coffee. And I've drank maybe a half a cup of it, and yet I still I'm still sweating through my shirt. My face, oh my god, it's like a Pakistani heat wave on my forehead. Look at this, yeah, to the moon. Okay. I got a bunch of crazy-ass articles. I got ones about CBD, whether or not it's safe for pets. I got vet bills. What's that all about? Uh, barbecue food that you can feed to your dogs, even though summer's, summer's almost over. Almost over. I say we got another solid two months of good BBQing, BBQing weather. And yet, everyone loves dogs, and everyone feeds them shit under the table. or the So... Uh, actually, you know what? We'll just start with that. Let's just go right to dogs because everyone loves dogs, except for Joe Klampka, who loves cats, particularly his cat. So let's go ahead and move over here uh, to my left because this is my this is my left. For you on the live stream, this is my left. For those on the podcast, your other left. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and grab the, the Holy Grail, the laptop, the one that shut off of me lap time. Last, lap time, last time. <laughs> oh, my God. This is what you get, folks. This is what you get. This is what a live stream is. Anything goes. This isn't that one time that they did the show ER live. This is way different and 10 times more disastrous. So what was like? Okay. So let's go ahead and get rid of the... Let's get rid of friends. Let's get rid of the uh, Lego Friends Central perk. But you can, if you are a friend, uh, if you are a fan of the TV show Friends and a fan of Legos and you want to kill yourself... You can go to eBay right now and you can buy a new condition Friends Lego set for $100. Or you can make an offer. Or you can say you live in a rent-controlled apartment and you'll get it for free. Um, actually, what's I wanted to talk about I want to talk about this real quick because you know I'm in I'm a fan of cars and stuff like that and breaking records. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to Bugatti. Bugatti is the company that made that 16-cylinder supercar called the or the actually called the hypercar 
called the Veyron. You've seen it. Google it. Bugatti. B-U-G-A-T-T-I. And they got a, they had a uh, they had a car called the Veyron. It's like a million dollar supercar. It was originally the world's fastest car, 256, 261 miles per hour. And then I think Koenigsegg blew it out of the water. But according to Roadshow on CNET by Stephen Ewing, the Bugatti Chiron, the Bugatti Chiron, just set the world record with a three. This is a production car, okay? Which means you can go out and buy it if it's available, which it probably isn't. You're not going to see one on the showroom floor because every single one has already been. Uh, they're all. You're on a waiting list. Hi, I'd like to buy a two million dollar supercar. Sure, let's put you on a wait list. But this one set the world record for 304 miles per hour. 304. Now, to talk about, like, when you are at, like, 100 miles per hour, there's a little wind resistance. There's obviously air resistance. But at 200-something miles per hour, 250 miles per hour, you're basically driving against a brick wall. That's the amount of air force you're pushing against. But despite all that, I believe it's still a W16 engine that uh, is a Vo- it's Volkswagen-powered because Volkswagen owns Bugatti. So the idea that 304.77 miles per hour, and this thing did it effortless, effortlessly with Andy Wallace behind the wheel. Um, and this isn't it. Now, this one does say, there is a note here uh, by Steve, on Stephen Ewing's article that this isn't a stock Bugatti Chiron. I'm going to get to the, the dog stuff in a minute, though. The Dallas uh, Delaria supply body had been optimized for aerodynamics, and it is actually about 10 inches longer than the standard Vi- Chiron. The car sits lower to the ground, and the rear end has a modified exhaust similar to the one off of the Senti Aldici. Furthermore, the Chiron's rear wing and air brake were jettisoned, and a new aero piece was integrated. So they did a bunch of mods to this. There was no passenger seat. A safety cage was added, because duh. And as for power, as for power though, it's the same engine. It's an 8-liter quad-turbo, four turbos, W16 engine, 1,600 horsepower, all-wheel drive. So, yeah, congrats to Bugatti. They say that now that they did this, they are, um, yeah, they said that they now that they broke the record, $304 million, they are going to... Um, they're going to retire. They're no longer going to go to go chase the record. So, but congratulations, thank you Stephen Ewing for the article from CNET and uh, congratulations to Bugatti for well, not just breaking the record, but destroying it with 304 miles per hour. So, congratulations to them. Uh, John Morton watching on the facebook.com/positivesarcasm. He says, "Let me know when you buy the million dollar car." Yeah, I'll ask Cammy Baker about that million dollars. She apparently mingles to it. Anyways, the next article, well, we're going to talk about shitty beer. And when I mean by shitty beer, actually no I made a promise to my one or two followers that we're actually going to talk about doggos, puppers. Because I got, you know, I'm obviously into dogs. If I had it my way, I'd just have a farm full of them. Um, The question is, I'm going to go through this one article, like, kind of seriously. And then we're going to get to the silly stuff with the dogs, uh, what they can eat for barbecued foods. Because barbecued food, I mean, what we eat, who cares? We'll eat whatever. But when it comes to dogs, it is important that certain things that you can and cannot feed them. I have seen a dog eat a whole cake before and not be dead the next morning. But I'd rather not go through that risk again, so we should probably take a moment to go through certain things, which you should do. So this is another article on CNET, and I do, just for my new listeners, I do do a lot of articles from CNET because it's not very cultural, although I do dabble in cultural stuff. 
but it's definitely not political. So I definitely get into things that fascinate me that I find interesting and they're actually helpful for consumers to actually make good decisions. So that's why I do a lot of CNET stuff, Rogue Rocket stuff, things like that, that are really helpful. So Daniel Kosecki, CBD Pets, CBD for Pets, a leading veterinary cannabis researcher explains what experts do and don't know about giving animals CBD. CBD is a derivative of cannabis. It's designed as an anti-inflammatory for humans. It helps with epilepsy, uh, joints, uh, also just depression. It really does. That's why NFL players take it constantly. So let me just re read it through this article briefly. Actually, let me take a sip of my coffee first. Today's coffee is actually white awake coffee, dark roast. You can look that up. It's got an owl on the front. Um, or you can get the huge, or if you just went in doubt, go get, go get yourself some Cafe Bustelo in the yellow package. When Colorado legalized recreational marijuana in 2012, it wasn't something veterinarian Stephanie McGrath thought about much every day. But then the phone start, calls started coming. Pet owners and family vets wanted to know what she thought about medical marijuana in relation to animals and whether she was researching it. The story, uh, the story discusses substances that are illegal in some place. Okay, yeah, I don't care about the legal ramifications. I don't give a shit about that. At the time, McGrath had no interest in cannabis and didn't even know what cannabinoid, cannabinoid, CBD was. She was mostly ignoring the topic, but the combination of receiving phone calls. Okay, yeah. Around 2013 to 2014, she started looking into the research out there and realized there was essentially no real good scientific literature in the human world, let alone the veterinary research world. So I'm guessing that she started to investigate that. And lo and behold, that's exactly what she's doing. So let's continue to look here. Live streams are looking pretty good, too. Hey, this is freaking awesome. All right, let me lean back a little bit. Lean back. Okay. McGrath went on to become one of the pioneering researchers in the veterinary field. Uh, veterinary cannabis with their early efforts has struggled to keep a pace with demand as people increasingly turn to CBD products to treat their less pain, pets, pain, anxiety, and seizure disorders. Thanks in large part to a 2018 farm bill which legalized hemp-derived CBD, analysts now predict the CBD pet care market will reach $125 million by 2022, making it one of the fastest-growing segments in the CBD market. For such a rapidly growing industry, there are still a lot of unknowns. Below what you need to know for, if you're considering CBD for your... For, okay. What you need to know, cannabinoid, cannabinoid, CBD is a part of a cannabinoid family. Yeah, yeah, chemical compounds found in the cannabis plant. Yeah, that's weed. Um, it's how, in. let's see. It, cannabinoids interact with the human body's endocannabinoid system, which helps the body maintain homeostasis, which means balance. Unlike its cousin, Delta-9, or THC, which is the psychoactive part. CBD doesn't produce a high, but it's a psychoactive. All right, so they're talking about what this and what it does. Okay, how can it, how is CBD administered to animals? CBD pet care products come in many of the same forms. You're probably used to seeing human forms, seeing them for humans, edibles, chewable treats, capsules, oils that can be added to the food or placed into the tongue, topical creams, Balms rubbed directly into the skin, like the CBD products meant for humans. Each of these CBD pet care products appear to have a different effect on the body, in dogs anyways. When McGrath started studying CBD in 2016, one of her first studies analyzed how three different delivery methods, a capsule, an oil, and a cream, affected this, how the CBD moved through the body of healthy dogs. We measured pharmacokinetics. We basically means you give the dogs a single dose, 
Okay, so to, uh, blood, check their blood levels over a 12-hour period, how quickly the CBD is absorbed, the blood concentration gets at that single dose, and then how fast the CBD gets out of the body. She found out that the three specific formulations they tested, the oil had the best profile, meaning it reached the highest concentration in the blood, staying in the bloodstream the longest, and performed the most consistently across different dogs. So different breeds. The capsule also performed well, but the cream less so. It performed too inconsistently for McGrath and her dr team to draw any conclusions. That makes sense. Usually when you take a dog, when you give a dog a bath, the first thing they do is fucking roll on the ground. Uh, how does CBD work in animals? It's unclear. They're still trying to solve it in humans for a while. For instance, dogs have an endocannabinoid system, but whether CBD interacts with it in the same way experts think it does with humans remains to be seen. For now, all McGrath knows that it is in dogs. Like in humans, CBD appears to be metabolized by the liver. Other health benefits, too early to tell, can help increase. A 2018 study found that CBD can help increase comfort and activity in dogs with osteoarthritis. And the following year published a study showing CBD may help reduce the number of seizures experienced by epileptic dogs. A friend of mine just has an epileptic dog, and they are currently considering or may have already been taking CBD for it. But although these studies were well-designed and peer-reviewed, they're still small and very preliminary. All, quote, all we've basically done is give this drug to these dogs and said, okay, this is what we're seeing. But whether or not the blood levels achieved are adequate enough to treat certain diseases, we still don't know. Okay. Is CBD safe for animals? In its pure state, it appears to be safe and well-tolerated by animals, according to a 2007 WHO report, the World Health Organization. However, both subse subsequent 2018 canine studies mentioned above noted an increase in the liver enzyme alkaline phosphatus, or ALP, during CBD treatment um, to make sure that the dog's liver wasn't failing and everything came back to normal. So it's unclear whether the elevated ALP levels were caused by something completely benign or developed into a more serious problem long-term. So basically making sure that giving your dog CBD doesn't increase other hormones or other chemical reactions in the body, which can lead to more long-term effects with dogs. Um, the other thing, of course, pet owners need to be aware of is quality control, because CBD market isn't well-regulated yet. CBD products can contain ingredients that aren't listed on their labels, including THC, which is known to be toxic to dogs and cats. So don't smoke up your dogs. Uh, potentially harmful ingredients used to be blah, 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 blah. Bottom line, we haven't found anything significant, super alarming. So for now, it's just kind of use it at your own discretion. Kind of the same thing with humans, actually, when you think about it. Hmm. So, I mean, the, the they're what they're trying to test it for is the same thing that they've been trying to test it with humans. Whether or not it helps with seizures, anxiety, Emotional support, because a lot of dogs have anxiety. Um, yeah, seizures, epileptic dogs. A lot of dogs in the beginning are very epileptic as well. Uh, when they get older, arthritis, helping reduce inflammation is very important, especially with older dogs. So these are the things that are the same problem with humans. So they're investigating them, investigating them and more, more, more reports will come out as the testing goes forward. I can't recommend it because I'm not clinical. But a lot of people are doing it. A lot of dogs are doing it. So why not? And the good thing about like hemp, hemp and things like that, there's more of a full amino profile. So overall, essentially, hemp and CBD has shown to be very good for people, health-wise, just in general. Anything in moderation, I don't think would be too bad for you. So why not? But like I said, follow the reports, 
see how your dog interacts with it. If there are certain breeds that can't have it, don't give it to them. Okay? Your dog's special, but not that special. All right. For a dark roast, this is pretty light. Let's do another doggo article. This is also on CNET. This is by Chow Hound Staff. <laughs> Clever. Enjoy these summer barbecue treats with you. Learn what food is safe to share with your furry friend and when they're begging for meat. Okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. The, they always get these stupid intros. Um, they get these stupid intros that uh, just drive me nuts. I don't want to get past that shit. Okay, so starting... All right, you got veggies on the grill, I'm sure. Sweet potatoes, zucchini, bell peppers, asparagus are healthy for dogs. The key is to cut them in bite-sized portions so they jo- so that the dogs don't, don't choke on bigger pieces. Okay, uh, so vegetable skewers, like they said, sweet potatoes, zucchini, bell peppers, and asparagus are healthy for dogs. However, onions and garlic is not recommended, so definitely not those. Putting little pieces of, uh, of the vegetables on skewers is a great way to cook them without them falling through the grate of the grill. That's yeah. Once the veggies are done, serve them up to your pup without the skewer, skewer, and enjoy them yourself. Who doesn't love a colorful country sound? Okay, check out this dog save. So there's, um, you can go to CNET and you can look this up. It's uh, barbecue dog. Just look up barbecue dog. Actually, yeah. Well, guess look it up. See what happens. Uh, there's a vinaigrette recipe for grilled sweet potatoes. Delicious. All right, barbecue burgers. All right, grilling season, scored a burger patty recipe for both you and your dog. Okay, serving your pooch only the patty. All right, you don't want to give them the other stuff. But here's balanced absorption and digestion. The ingredients for a dog-safe burger. Let's see. Is my, uh, what happened to my live stream? I think everything's okay. Yeah, we're fine. As long as the as long as the I have two going right now. The one on my my Twitch one has gone blank, but it seems to be live, so I think we're gonna be okay. And the one on Facebook.com is okay, so we're good there. I'm just gonna keep rolling. Anyways, dog safe burgers. Ingredients: four pounds of grass-fed ground beef, one cup of quick cooking oats, a half a cup of organic flaxseed meal, one large egg, one medium carrot grated, one medium zucchini grated. Four ounces of grated sharp cheddar cheese and a half a cup of fresh chopped parsley. Okay. Uh, Instructions. Combine them all in ingredients in a large bowl. Form them into patties. Grill them in medium heat for five minutes per side until they're no longer pink. Recipe approximately makes 12 burgers. I Shit, that sounds like I would eat it. For the humans, slather your favorite barbecue sauce in the patties and serve them on a grilled bun with lettuce, tomato, and cheese. Cool. Uh, and the okay. Here's the next one. Wine. They make a wine dog, a wine for dog. It's called Apollo Peak. Uh, <laughs> Char dog and Char dog Zinfandel, and Malbark. How clever. The wines are a mixture of all natural ingredients: chamomile extract, yellow and red beets, anise seed. Bacon flavoring and peppermint extract for fresh breath. City Winery in Atlanta offers these as part of their canine brunch menu. You can order them, order them online for thirteen bucks a bottle. That's pretty cool. So you can clink back, you can clink glasses with your furball. Doggy dessert. Natural sugars are great. Uh, frozen fruit for a sweet tooth. 
frozen watermelon are generally put on ice pops, grilled peaches and grilled apples, caramelized sweet treats, frozen blueberries, and yeah, this, so those you can do. This is all barbecue stuff for your summertime that you can feed to your dog. Uh, bones are not a safe treat like chicken bones and ribs. Uh, they can get lodged in the throat. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that's, and also alcohol or caffeine. But for the most part, it seems like pretty common sense types of stuff that you should feed your dog. But some people just are so attached to their dog, they're basically looking up any type of article that they can get their hands on. And this one, it definitely, if you if you do have your dog with you when you're barbecuing, which you normally do, these are some great ways to get them involved. Because, you know, you have to get your dogs involved. Like, they have tough lives. Okay. Oh, I was supposed to uh, sit, I was supposed to do a podcast uh, in Wentworth, Mass... Wentworth? Yeah, something like that. Wentworth, Massachusetts, with this vegan kid. And he wanted to t- he wanted to discuss uh, vegan activism and stuff like that. So you guys know me. I'm not a vegan. I'm not even a vegetarian. Okay, half the time I'm keto. But I I'll, I'll okay. There are pros and cons to vegan, but it's not a complete diet. Okay. You need a complete diet. You need something with a full amino acid profile in order to create protein synthesis in the body to create strong, healthy muscles. A lot of times you see vegans, they're meek, weak-looking people. Legit. And the ones that don't are probably on steroids. But there are some cons, of course, to meat. You know, like factory farming and things like that. And of course, that cows produce a shit ton of methane. But this article by Bonnie Burton on CNET talks about how they w- they're looking to produce they're w- looking to produce a factory-based seaweed that stops cows from burping methane. So I'm going to talk about this really quick. This will probably be the last article of this of the episode, and then I'll just review everything and um, we'll close up shop for the day de- for the day as we continue to improve upon this spare parts studios that I have so joyfully put together with so many aches and pains. Uh, yeah, anyways. So, this one is called, this is on CNET by Bonnie Burton. Scientists want to mass produce seaweed that stops cows burping methane. Finding a way to farm seaweed on a global scale can dramatically lessen greenhouse gas emissions worldwide. University of Sunshine Coast Associate Professor Nicholas Paul holds up a container of the pink seaweed asphalt. Okay, um, all right. In 2014, Australia's National Science Agency, CSIRO, discovered that adding the pink seaweed aspar, I'll call it aspar, to a cow's diet reduces the amount of gas produced by the cow by up to 99%. Now scientists want to, want to farm aspar on a large scale to reduce Australia's greenhouse gas emissions and the world's, of course. University of Sunshine Coast Associate Professor Nick Paul said if enough pink seaweed was grown... It could help reduce greenhouse gases emissions in Australia by 10%, according to ABC News on Wednesday. That's just Australia. When, quote, when a cow, when added to cow feed at less than 2% of the dry matter, this particular seaweed completely knocks out methane production, Paul said in a statement on Wednesday. It contains chemicals that reduces the microbes in the cow's stomach that causes them to burp when they eat grass. The USC team headed by Paul is currently working at the Bribel Island, Bribby Island 
Research Center in Moreton Bay, Australia, to learn about how to grow the pink seaweed species to better figure out a solution to scale up the production of seaweed. The best way to increase the pink seaweed supply is to find the fastest way to grow it outside the lab. Quote, we know the chemical composition of the aspar and we want to know the and we, we know the chemical compounds. So now we want to maximize the concentration of that chemical so that we can use less seaweed for the same effect. If we're able to figure if we're able to figure out how to scale up the seaweed to become at a level that can feed all the cows and the sheep and the goats around the world, then it's going to have a huge impact on the client. Paul said in the da da da. Okay. So yeah, obviously methane is a huge issue because when you think about it, I mean, the amount of fat farming that goes on for cows in the United States, the amount of methane that it produces absolutely does cause uh, significant changes to the environment for the fact that they're producing a lot of methane gas and that can disturb the environment. But if this can help produce a healthier cow, by feed, number one, if you're feeding a cow seaweed, they're gonna, they're, they should be healthier. They're going to cha change the microbes, the gut biome in the, in the stomachs, okay? It's almost like they're drinking kombucha, for God's sakes. If it creates a healthier cow and creates a healthier environment, I'm all for it, okay? And this actually will help eliminate one of the arguments that vegans have for meat eaters. I mean, their main one is animal cruelty, the fact that we're killing other animals. But they fail to mention the balance of all of it. They fail to mention every single time... What they're doing, everything that you do in moderation takes a toll on something, the environment. You make electric cars, it has an effect on the environment. You make gas cars, it has an effect on the environment. If you're a vegan, it has effects on the environment. If you're a meat eater, same thing. At the end of the day, keto or full-blown carb junkie, it all has to balance out. Okay. The thing is, if you have a field full of cows, they produce methane. But if you have a field full of vegan food, you have to plow it, which means you have to kill every single animal on that freaking field with those tillers that are automated. And then you spray pesticides on there, which kills the animals even more, and then gets into the soil, and then could get into the drinking water. <laughs> you fucks. So these are the things that you have to play with when considering these things however something like this seems on the front like common sense i don't have a problem with it these studies matter now if we can obviously work towards less cruel or non-cruel factory farming or other alternatives like that okay fine like i said i'm just looking for balance okay just looking for balance Yes, I think this would be very, very important. Because if you increase 10% here, 10% there, 10% there, it makes a big difference. And all you're doing is adding seaweed. And if you can mass produce seaweed, which I think you can, then it would make a huge difference. So kudos to them on this one. Mm. Speaking of helping, helping the environment or recycling, I think I'm going to do one more article. This is also from CNET. This is by Andrew Gebhardt. For all you beer drinkers out there, this is a beer. They actually originally entitled it No Shit. But CNET decided to change the article name, which is sad because I kind of like the original article name. Cra uh, this is by Andrew Gebhardt. Crappy beer tastes great when it comes from Berlin Berlin's recycled toilet water. 
I got a chance to taste Reuse Brew, a beer made with Berlin wastewater, and thankfully see all the high-tech equipment that cleaned it. Uh, let's see. Let me get to the actual... Okay. The smell of... The, so he went to the waste plant. I've been to a waste plant. It's disgusting. Um, the smell during the first part of the tour was one of the most intensely awful things I've ever experienced. I felt like it was in a room in which a million people had just gone to the bathroom, and that image isn't far from the truth. And the facility treats the wastewater for 1.3 million Berlin residents. Later in the tour... I got to see all the fascinating technology, including the purifying the water, including a machine that makes ozone to break down the waste on a molecular level. Another machine uses specialized carbon filters that supposedly eliminates 99.99% of all pollutants and chemicals. On some level, I knew the water was clean, but my hand shook anyways, as I couldn't get the smell out of my mind as I brought the beer to my lips. Um, the beer was great. It was a multi-brown ale with a nicely balanced hops and carbonation. It was brewed as a traditional German alt beer. The color didn't help. If I had tried it in a bar, I would have given it a couple glasses. As it stands, I drank the very last bottle in existence and was satisfied by every sip. The problem of scarcity. The fact is most cities are overly reliant on a single source of water. While talking with me about the need for projects like reuse brew, water is probably the most important ingredient in a supply chain for, for cities. You know, and nowadays, I'm not surprised that most cities don't have desalinization plants. You have cities all over the world. I know there was, there was, there's two cities right now that have massive water problems. One is Flint, Michigan, and the other one is Cape Town, South Africa. One of them has bad water, and one of them is running out of water. So the idea like desalinization plants... And recycling centers that can turn this... If you could turn this water into a freaking beer that tastes like Sam Adams Hefeweizen, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be putting funding into the system to recycle all this water and have sustainability. The more sustainability, the better off everybody's going to be. Uh, you either have a quantity problem, which is scarcity driven by climate change, or you have a pollution-oriented problem that could be putting stress on a water supply. At the end of the day, there's more and more people on Earth and a, the, and a fixed water supply. Water is a fixed, scarce source. Municipalities can pay to import clean water or import seawater and go through the process of desalinization so it's drinkable. Vessi noted that both solutions are much more expensive than simply cleaning wastewater, which is a supply naturally generated by the city. Quote, we clearly see that wastewater is more and more considered to be a valuable resource. We have one of those a wastewater plant in my town. And halfway through the town on the way out, it goes back into our giant Merrimack River and it turns into class B fishing water. Okay. Let's see. Believe it or not, the biggest obstacle isn't even the technology. The wastewater plant I visited has been treating water for years and introducing it into rivers and lakes, just like my town. In Berlin, the soil beneath the groundwater provides a natural filter that cleanses the water on its own over the course of several years. The population increases uses a medication, makes filtering water more challenging. And that's where Xylem's tech comes in handy. Specialized, specialized ozone filters activate and break up the molecules of chemical waste that carbon filters then remove. The step isn't necessary for non-potable water. Simpler, lower-tech treatments work well enough for irrigation. So, there are many uses for it. Now, they're talking about the part about chemicals and drugs because everybody's dumping um, chemicals and drugs into the water supply, and that can cause all kinds of problems. 
And that's a di- and there's a different way for treating that type of tainted water. But they had the technology for it, and that has allowed them to create this type of beer. In the future, this is a, something like this is inevitable. You're going to be seeing a ton of this going forward. And this is stuff that, bipartisan-wise, you can agree with, you can applaud, and you should absolutely support. And would I try it? Yeah, absolutely. I'd try, I've, I've had cricket protein, for God's sakes. I don't give a shit. Okay, I, I don't care about poop beer. I don't drink beer generally, but, I mean, I would absolutely give this a shot. I'm all for it. I support all these things. Just like I support Joe Clamka's record that he just came out with. I'm freaking happy for him. I, You know, if I'm... I'm going to support a sweet album. I'm going to support a shitty beer. Either way, I don't care. It's perfectly fine with me. We are at one hour. Uh, I want to thank you guys for putting up with me once again for another week. I want to welcome all the new subscribers on my podcast channel. Uh, Like, subscribe, share. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, anywhere that podcasts are available. iHeartRadio, Last.fm. I'm on there. Check me out. I'm on all of them. So please like, subscribe, share to all of them. Rate and review on iTunes as well. Apple Podcast. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Check out my YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm, for all the latest videos and stuff like that. Uh, subscribe to that channel as well. Share it with your friends. Support this channel. Support this website. Support everything I do. Support this brand new, well, quote brand new, Spare Parts Studios. Try to keep things on the wall here. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Imagine if two people saw this pod, two million people saw this podcast or two million people donated a dollar. If two million people donated one dollar, I would be, well, well, there you go. That, that'd be the end of that problem. <laughs> you know, I'd be doing this two, three times a week and I'd be coming up with, re- I'd be having, well, I'd be doing all kinds of shit. Let me put it that way. But I thank you guys for everything so far. Uh, all the support and all the new gear. If you have new gear, feel free to drop it off, send it over. If you have questions or comments, you can hit me up on all my social media. You can hit me up right through my website, positivesarcasm.com. You can contact me there. You can donate to me there. You can do all the other things there. You can check out my Twitch stream. My Twitch stream is live actually on that channel as we speak. You can also uh, check out my YouTube videos there as well. You can do a lot of things there. It's a great, it's a great nifty little website that I designed all by myself. Uh, what else can you do there? There's posing music. If you're a posing, if you're a bodybuilder, a competitive fitness athlete, and you need posing music, go to positivesarcasm.com slash posing music, or just go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the posing music link, and there's a bunch of demos there, and you can request custom ones right there, and I'll happily get them to you. Uh, and then you can also, if you need to listen to my podcast at the website, you can do so there. But if you have any other questions or comments, you guys know how to get a hold of me. I want to thank everybody who jumped in on the live stream for facebook.com slash positive sarcasm, which worked splendidly today. And you can also go to twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm, and you can watch the live stream from there. That being said, despite the issues I had in the very, very beginning, everything has gone much better than last time. Much better than last time. Coffee came out better this, better this time. The live streams went better this time. The... Uh, Podcast, of course, is always recording great as normal. So everything's looking pretty good. So we will continue this next week. Uh, let's see. What am I doing this weekend? I can't remember. I'll have to figure it out. Anyways, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. And What do I... What else do I do? I don't know. I Like I said, everything's been going pretty well. I don't know what else to say. 
But normally I say streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios, and I'm going to say it again. Streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. I will talk to you guys all next week. This will be updated uh, on my podcast channel and will be ready for anybody who uh, subscribes to my podcast. So thank you guys for all listening, watching, subscribing. I will talk to you all next week. And uh, stay tuned if you're listening to the podcast for Joe Klampka's I Love My Cat, his debut song from his debut album. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. I don't give a good goddamn about the things in life I'm supposed to do. I only answer to one God and that shower shit ain't you. I got that right just to say what I like and I love that simple fact. Sing it loud, I'll sing it right Here it comes, now take a step back I love my cat I love my cat I love my dog I love my dog I love my cats and dogs and country and family And I love God I love my cats and dogs and country and family and I love God. To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.